0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Well, y'all, two weeks ago, I explained how the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is required to sustain the glory of God. So what is God's glory? It is all of his goodness passing before us, right? All of his goodness. God is pouring out his glory now. We've already tasted it, and it's just going to continue to intensify. And we will not just see some of his goodness. We're going to see all of his goodness. Can you imagine that? No, you can't. You can't even imagine it. all of his goodness, and it won't be long before his glory is announcing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, come. How about tomorrow? Anybody Anybody in for that? So right now, the Holy Spirit, he's looking for those who fear the Lord because they are the only ones who can sustain this final move of God. He's looking for his leaders who's going to carry this out on the earth. We are those people. No Limits Church is a church that fears the Lord. We live our lives in holy reverence of God Almighty while we enjoy his love and his goodness. It's all simultaneous. But since we're coming out of this long season where the church has misused grace, and many churches still are misusing grace, I imagine there's a conflict that many of us are working through. So I want to help you work through that today. You see, the grace of God is not God going light on sin. God's grace is the power that enables us to live without sin. You see the difference? For the past several decades, the American church has used God's grace to make sin comfortable, and this false doctrine will lead people to hell. It will. God's grace is a consuming fire. It comes into our life and it purifies us by the power that's in the blood of Jesus that we sang about this morning. That blood purifies us. It destroys everything that's not of God and it enables us to live holy lives. That's what his grace is all about. So with the misuse of grace being so prevalent, it's tough for us to understand how is the fear of the Lord something that we should cry out for, something that we should desire? How does that mesh with this message we've heard of grace over the past several decades? And if you're having that inner struggle, don't worry, because I'm going to take you to the word of God today for resolve. We're going to go to the book of James together. I knew I'd get some smiles in the room for those who have read James before. Before we get into James, though, Tim Coleman Will you find me the scripture that talks about the word of God being a double-edged sword? And when you have it, go ahead and come on up here and read it for us. So while he's pulling that together, I want to give you a little background on the book of James. James was written to Jewish believers. So it was written to people who were used to following the law. They did the sacrifices. They had the food restrictions. They were required to get circumcised. I mean, all that stuff, right? Hold on a second. Go, buddy, go. I tell you what, technology sometimes it just like freezes up on me. I want to make sure I get all these details, so I'm going to pull this up on my phone here. You found that yet, Tim? All right, so the book of James written to Jewish believers apparently I just totally messed that up let's have Tim read this and I'll find what I'm looking for Hebrews 4:12 for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many of you guys have experienced the word of God coming in like a sword into your thoughts and intentions and just exposing everything and, and destroying it and all of that good stuff, right? That's what's going to happen today. And that's what you should expect to happen every Sunday. How many of y'all just want to walk off in your own oblivion every Sunday, believe in wrong things and no, that's why the word of God does this. It's living and it's powerful. This is our truth. This is our life. And it's beautiful. So the book of James, it was written to Jewish believers. And these were people who knew how important it was to live a holy life. But now apparently they were being tempted to misuse grace because the entire book of James is reminding them how to live a holy life. The people who knew how to live a holy life, they knew how to follow the law. And now James is reminding them to live a holy life. Isn't that interesting? after they heard about Jesus, because they were tempted to misuse grace. Oh, now that we have this grace, we get to have freedom and do the things that we want to do and just kind of satisfy the desires of the flesh, right? So he was reminding them in the book of James to fear the Lord, saying, hey, reverence God by the way that you live. So we're going to read James together today. How many of y'all are excited? So if you have your Bible open to the book of James, we're going to read it all the way through. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, James, for your boldness. These are his words. So don't get mad at me, get mad at James. As we read through this, if you're going to get mad today. So this letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. If you're wondering what translation I'm reading from, this is the New Living translation. So if you're on your phone, you can swap to the New Living. That way you can follow along a little more easily. Dear brothers and sisters. Oh, I love how he starts this. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Should we stop there? How many of you guys have that down? How many of you guys, when a trouble comes your way, you're like, "All right, this is when I get to be joyful." I had one of those opportunities this week. Got in my first car accident I've ever been in. somebody pulled out in front of me, and I was in my jag Hit him) <laughs> And I got out of the car, and this guy looked so intimidated. Like, he barely would get out of his car. And then when he finally got out, he's kind of, like, peeking around, like, waiting for me to come yelling and screaming. And and I just come out. I'm like, are you okay? Like, it's okay, man. Like, things like that happen. I know you didn't pull out in front of me on purpose. And he's just like, I can't believe you're being so nice. (laughs) Consider an opportunity for great joy. I got to meet somebody that I'd never get to meet otherwise because he pulled out in front of me, and I hit him. (laughs) And hey... What's there to fret? His insurance is going to pay for it. And even if it didn't, the Lord would cover it. I ain't worried about it. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Come on. Perfect and complete, needing nothing. And he's referring to this life. He's not saying, wait till heaven and then you'll have this. He's like, no, no, if you consider your troubles an opportunity for great joy and you let your faith grow and your endurance has a chance to grow, eventually you're going to become perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many of y'all want to get there? Well, ask the Lord for some troubles. So your endurance has a chance to grow. (laughs) If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. We love to say that one just by itself, but let's keep reading. He will not rebuke you for asking. We love that part too. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. He's generous with his wisdom, but there is a requirement. Your faith must be in God alone. If you're going back and forth between God and the world, you're going to be missing his wisdom. It don't come until you dedicate your life to the Lord. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. Thanks. That's so good. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich shall fade away with all of their achievements. Don't live your life for achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Man, he's just going to double down. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. How we'd rather read that, right? God rescues those from all testing, and he keeps you out of it and gives you a perfect carefree life. Oh, dang it. That's not what it says, though. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. He's going to see how patient you are. Anybody been there? (laughs) Y'all are quiet. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God never tempted anybody to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. God ain't tempting you. By golly, that comes right from inside your own self. But we have a chance to stop it. For every temptation, he provides a way out. We don't have to let it drag us away. We don't have to let it give birth to sinful actions. And we sure don't have to let sin grow to where it leads to death. He's not talking about physical death either. He's talking about eternal death. Hell, if you allow sin to grow in your life, it'll lead you away from God and you'll end up in hell. That's the danger, and that's why the Scripture teaches us to warn each other. When you see somebody caught up in sin in the body of Christ, you warn them, and you rescue them out of it, because we can't allow sin to grow. Anybody want to take that risk? I sure don't. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. These are the kinds of things that you need to read if you're struggling to worship, like some of us were this morning. And I get it. We all have those struggles, right? We just get caught up in this life. We get distracted and we don't spend enough time thinking about how God sees us, how God chose us, how God considers us his prized possession. I mean, all these incredible things. Fix your thoughts on things above and you won't have a problem praising. Fix your thoughts on the things of this world and you're going to always struggle when you come in here with your feelings. Understanding this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God the, the word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Oh, but don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at yourself in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I know a lot of woke churches that they love the first part of that verse, caring for the orphans and widows, which is so important, but they forget the and, refusing to let the world corrupt you. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith? In our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, if you favor some people over others. Uh, <laughs> For example, in case you don't know what he's talking about, he's going to give you an example. Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law that is found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Context is interesting here because if you know anything about Jews, they're usually very wealthy. they, They got it down. They understand God's promise of wealth. But apparently they were having a problem with the newbies coming in who weren't wealthy. Maybe some Gentiles. He's going to give us some more clarity on this whole wealth thing here in a little bit. For the person who keeps all of the laws except for one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. <laughs> uh, that just seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? You will be judged by the law that sets you free. He's talking about it sets you free from sin. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. And there he is calling out the church that loves the legalism side of things, right? They are so quick to call people out on sin. They're not merciful at all. There's no forgiveness. There's no grace. There's no patience. There's like, you messed up, get out of here. That's who he's talking to. You must be merciful towards others so that God can be merciful to you. He requires it. If you want God's mercy, you better be merciful to others. Did you hear that? It's a requirement, not a suggestion. I don't think y'all have a problem with that though, so that's good. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. When you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. Who's going to argue that? Some people have faith. Others have good deeds. (laughs) As if you can't have both. I I don't know. I just find that funny. I'm like, who's going to argue that? I guess some people were arguing that, but I say, how can you show me your faith? If you don't have good deeds, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. The demons fear the Lord. So, you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them away safely by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want to by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poisons. Sometimes it praises the Lord our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made right in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Watch your tongue. In other words, I recommend just being quiet until the Lord gives you something to say. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom. Humility comes from wisdom. That shows you that if somebody claims to has wisdom but they're haughty and they exalt themselves above everybody else because they're so smart, that's not God's wisdom. God's wisdom brings humility. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. We all deal with the jealousy. Why did God do that in their life? But he's not doing it in mine. Selfish ambition. I'm going to do that so I can get ahead. I'm going to make this decision, even though it's not best for everybody, it's best for me. So what's causing these quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you don't want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. Check yourself if you're not getting what you want. You found your answer there. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? God. Don't y'all love the book of James? Oh my goodness. I'm going to say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit that he placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when does grace come? When we humble ourselves before God, when we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Doesn't the new King James say, submit yourself to God, right? I like both of those. Submission is humility, right? You're only submitting if you're doing something that you don't want to do because your leader asked you to do it. That is submission. Submission is not whenever you do something that you like to do, whenever your leader asks you to do it. That doesn't take submission. We can all do that. Submission comes whenever your leader asks you to do something. You don't want to do it, but you do it anyway, which is true humility, right? Because you're laying down your own desire to follow somebody else's desire. So humble yourself before God. Say, God, your ways are higher than mine. They're better than mine. And then you've got to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. (laughs) He's talking to the Jewish believers. Remember that. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I believe this is God's message for the American church right now. Wash your hands, you sinners, because your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Purify your hearts. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're only criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and stay there for a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to... We will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Has the Lord ever asked you to do something and then you didn't do it because you had your own plan and you thought it was better? Yeah, me too. (laughs) Repent. Learn from your mistakes and don't do it again, right? Look here, you rich people. He's going to tie it up here. The whole rich thing that we were talking about earlier. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. He defined a rich person for us. We hear him talking about rich, and we think anybody who has more than minimum wage, right? Right? Or more than enough to like pay for their own bills. Like that person's rich, right? Rich person, according to this scripture, is somebody who stores up treasures for themselves. They store it up. Isn't that what it said? The very wealth you were counting on, and that's the other thing, the very wealth you were counting, they count on their wealth. They don't count on God. Their trust is in their wealth. So you know you're a rich person, a bad rich person, according to scriptures. If you're counting on your wealth, and if you're storing it up for yourself, you don't even have to have a lot of money to count on your wealth, to trust in your money more than you trust in God. So if we are to be have godly wealth, here's what it looks like. It flows through you. You're not storing it up to trust in it. You're saying, God, what is this for? Send it out. God, what is this for? Send it out. Hard thing to grab a hold of because we're taught to save and store. But a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I'm not leaving my kids a huge bank account. I'm leaving them a business that continues to make money to fund the work. I'm leaving them godly principles. I'm showing them how to live a godly life. I'm showing them how to function in God's wealth. They don't need a big bank account whenever I teach them those things. That's the inheritance that I'm leaving them. They'll be generating their own wealth because they'll know how to trust God for it. So we've got to get our mindset shifted. You don't want to store it up. It's going to cause you trouble. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. So here's what we're to do in the meantime while we're waiting on the Lord to appear. Don't grumble about each other. Y'all aren't doing that, are you? <laughs> Don't grumble about each other, y'all aren't doing that, are you? Don't grumble about, y'all aren't doing that, are you? I wouldn't hear that going on here. Maybe tempted to grumble about somebody, right? But we stop it. It's just, yeah, I'm not doing that. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. That's where the fear of the Lord comes into play. We know He's watching. We know He's right there. We know He's coming. I don't want to get caught while I'm grumbling about somebody and the Lord's coming in the clouds. Oh, excuse me, Lord. Let me finish my grumbling. I don't want to be caught doing that. Caught in the shower. I mean, I guess that'd be okay. I'm sure he'd clothe me on my way up, right? If y'all heard that story about Beth a few weeks ago, she was worried about the Lord taking her while she was in the shower. Let me get my clothes on first. I think that'd be okay, but you don't want to get caught grumbling. (laughs) For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We're talking about the prophets in the Old Testament, the latter half. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my dear brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else, just a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord, because such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. These are great instructions at the end of this book. You know, what's interesting is so many of us just stay sick and we never even call the elders of the church. I want you to notice that it didn't say, wait for the elders to call you. And gripe about it if they don't. Grumble about them. Yeah, do some more grumbling. No, it says you call on the elders of the church and ask them to pray over you and anoint you with oil. You take that step of faith, and you trust that their prayer of faith will heal you. The Lord will heal you through their prayer of faith. So Elijah was as human as we are. Oh, my goodness, he's comparing us to Elijah. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. So he's basically saying, what's wrong with you? If Elijah could do that, so can you. All your prayers should be working, y'all. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death, eternal death, and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That scripture right there blows the once-saved-always-saved doctrine to smithereens, right? Because he's talking to the church. He's saying, hey, brothers and sisters, body of Christ, if someone among you wanders away and you bring him back, you save that person from eternal death. Warn each other when you see somebody in sin, don't be quiet. That's not being nice. Go pull them out. Go rescue them as if they're in a flame of fire, as if they're in a burning house. Get out of there. I mean, they're going to listen to you, but rescue them with love. And that is the book of James written to people who knew the law, who knew what it meant to live a holy life, who knew the fear of the Lord because they were Jewish believers. And yet some, for some reason they had to be reminded that yes, as a believer in Christ, you still should live a holy life out of your fear of the Lord. Is your fear of the Lord increasing? I pray that it is. That's my desire through these messages because it'll lead you to where he needs you. The fear of the Lord is increasing for me. I find myself just crying out to the Lord saying, I don't want to sidestep at all. I want to be walking with you in everything that I do. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to do some good thing over here because somebody expects me to do it, but you didn't ask me to do it. I want to be where you want me to be right now. Imagine if the whole body of Christ approached God with that mindset. What could we get done? He'd probably be back already. Let's pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, increase our fear of the Lord. Increase our holy reverence of God. Increase our awe of God Almighty. Help us to see him in everything that we do. Help us to see him everywhere that we are. Help us to slow down and look around and see what he has created and what he's doing in the earth and his mighty acts and his deeds and how he's saving people and healing people. Help us to rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of those around us. Holy Spirit, when we start grumbling, would you just slap us around or something to get our attention so that we can stop that? When we're jealous, do the same thing. Remind us of these scriptures. Let the word of God pierce and reveal our desires and our innermost thoughts. Make them apparent to us because often we're oblivious. We thank you that the word of God makes them known. When we have selfish ambition and we're doing things for our own benefit, show us what we're doing. Show us how pointless it is and how evil it is so that we can refocus our attention on you. Lord, we repent of casually approaching you, of casually approaching your word. We repent of misusing grace, and we ask you to fill us with your power that frees us from sin. We want to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And when troubles come our way, help us to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.